The last part of that verse is, let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Now, hopefully, by the time you go home today, when you walk out that door, you're going to be shouting out. You're going to feel a release. You're going to lose your really uh, respectable ways that you are today. And you'll go out there like wild people who just saw their team, favorite team win. Notice the simple word in Psalms 95.2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. With. Do you ever think about the simple word with? With. That is a powerful thing. With. It means there's something with something. With your praise with his presence, you're supposed to bring your thanksgiving. And recently, I went to a restaurant with Dory. And she did something that I haven't seen her do before. She went in online, and at this restaurant, there was an app for uh, an appetizer. So she already downloaded it on her phone. So we go, we get ready to order. And with this, uh, on this app was an order of jumbo prongs with your dinner. So she proceeds to, first of all, I want, I want the order of prongs because it comes with the dinner. The, the s- server said, we're not honoring that anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, it's on your thing. You have to honor it. No, you're not going to get it. So we order, we're getting ready to order our dinner. Say, well, let's have some shrimp. And I tell you, when the shrimp come, they look like, there were six little babies like this. I'm thinking like, I almost said, Dory, let's just have her take it back. You know, let's bury them or something. They're so small. <laughs> but uh, so then I proceeds to take order, right? And then she comes to me. I order the bacon cheeseburger, barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Every time I've ordered a barbecue bacon cheese somewhere, it comes with barbecue sauce, with barbecue sauce. I said, um, do, do I get barbecue sauce? Oh, no, that's a dollar extra. It's supposed to come with. It's a barbecue. You're advertising a barbecue bacon burger. No with. I tell you, we come before his presence with our thanksgiving. It doesn't say if you feel like it. When circumstances are in the right place, no, it's with. Why? Because God knows that we're in a world that's in opposition to his presence. But he knows in his presence, when we bring our thanksgiving, there's an accompaniment. There's something that adds to it. There is something that makes it better. And so we join ourselves. And it's like God showing us that we have a a part in this. He knows that we have mind, will, and we have emotions. We have different personalities, and we struggle with ups and downs. And so he's saying, here's my presence, which is a blessing, which is God, which is my glory, which is my healing, which is my impartation. Bring with it, bring your, your thanksgiving. Usually when I grew up, when you go to somebody's house, if you're invited for dinner, you bring something. It's like, a, it's like you're honoring uh, your host. It's like saying thank you. You know, it's a thank you gift. Maybe you bring a bottle of Martinelli's, you know, you bring a Coke, you bring whatever it is you bring, a box of candy, some flowers, whatever. Our thanksgiving enhances that presence of God, which we can't outgive God. But when we begin to thank God, it breaks something It breaks the atmospheres. It breaks that disconnection that we have because we're in this natural world and have such natural feelings and we deal with our old nature. So with is good. Taking action. This is something I want you to do. 
I will approach the Lord's presence with thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving week. I think as you approach God in your prayers this week, as you approach the presence, as you get up in the morning, approach it with thanksgiving. Begin to add more thanks. I know we talk about Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving, and we kind of give it a little shot, a little booster, but how many times, how many of us know, be honest, our Thanksgiving really gets deplenished. Life takes away our thankfulness. Come before his presence, Psalms 102. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you guys all doing that? If you're not, let's add it. I had to add it this week. I mean, as God was downloading this message, I realized, man, I do a lot of things for you, but I don't do it with gladness. I have to put on gladness. I have to make it a point and adjust my thinking that I'm going to do this in gladness. Whatever I do, and as Christians, it says whatever we do, we're supposed to do to the honor and glory of the Lord because whatever we do, how we live our life is in God's glory. And so when we begin to serve the Lord with gladness, when we put on gladness, it it changes the whole outlook of how we do things. I would do something very practical. I think it was shoveling dirt here the other day, filling in a hole that when they were looking for a water leak. So I was just shoveling dirt in there and I... I actually has put on gladness. I'm thinking like, why are you so happy uh, shoveling dirt? Because I'm supposed to do it in gladness. I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing something for him. And it can change the whole mundane thing that you do in your day. Why? Because you're doing everything you do, you're doing unto the Lord. So you're doing it with gladness. And I thought like, wow, I'm, I'm really, as, as a person who struggles with depression, this is good for me. So serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Uh-oh, another with. Another with. So as you're approaching his presence and you're thanking him, that's something you're going to take your action step. I'm going to be thanking God. But now I'm going to start singing. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a good voice and they would never put you on American Idol or voice or America's Got Talent. God loves the voice you have. And in heaven, the roar, no one can hear anybody. The roar is going on. So if you have the worst voice, your praise is rising up and it's worshiping the God who brought salvation to you and it's going to bring that freedom and that joy and it's going to bring the presence of God and the understanding that God is working in your life. And though you don't see your miracle, it's coming. I had a revelation last week. I'll quickly share it with you. In my mid-20s, in my baptism in the Holy Spirit, on fire, young person, going to church, serving God, working as a janitor, I said, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to break my glasses and believe God's going to heal my eyes. (laughs) Two days later, after stumbling around blind, I had to go get some new frames. And so uh, I always wondered, God, here I stepped out in faith and you didn't like zap my eyes free. Oh, well. But here I was, like, I think it was 40 years later, right? I was thinking about Four to five years ago, how I was, how I was, my eyes were so bad because of cataracts, it was barely hard for me to drive at night. And I was like crying out to the Lord, and it just happened. My doctor said, okay, you're ready. You can get cataract surgery. So I had my eyes done, both of them, and I actually could see better than I do with glasses. But because I need to have reading glasses, and I wore glasses my whole life, I just wear glasses now because of the reading. But I have perfect vision. And it hit me the other day like, what I had prayed for 40 years ago, I'm now, by God's grace and technology, I see with perfect vision. 
God answers our prayer. It may take you 40 years, but he's going to answer your prayer. You need to get excited about that. You need to believe that God is going to do the things that he's promised to you. Don't look at things in your natural perspective or in the season or timing that we're, all, we're, we're always upset because timing's not happening fast enough for us. God is a good God. He is faithful. What did Alma say? Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. God is good. Okay, so come before his presence with singing now. So you're adding singing with your thanksgiving. And I want, you, I want to hear some testimonies next week that some of you are singing and you haven't been singing before and you're experiencing that greater presence of God. Gladness is joy, delight, and pleasure. Uh, taking action with that, I am going to do all that I do in serving the Lord with my spiritual gift and in life with gladness. And I'm going to be singing to the Lord as I bring thanksgiving. So I'm bringing thanksgiving and singing. Prayer with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Are you earnest and diligent and on it in prayer? To continue earnestly means to pay persistent attention to, to hold fast to something. And if you kind of slip in your prayer life, hey, I even slip in my prayer life. It's okay to just say, God, forgive me. I've been slack. I'm sorry I haven't been talking to you. Start talking to him. Start getting intense. Start being more continuing in how you're persisting in your prayer life and seeking God. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Again, you're being vigilant, you're being more consistent, you're being intense, you're being um, specific with thanksgiving. God, I thank you that you hear my prayer. God, I'm facing this impossible situation. God, I have so much unbelief by what I see, feel about this situation. But Lord, I'm coming to you with thanksgiving. I'm coming to you because nothing is impossible for you or with you. All things are possible with you. So I'm coming to you. Thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayer. Thank you that you see this impossible situation that I'd like to see change. God, I thank you that you're going to change it. God, lead me, specifically help me to intercede. Holy Spirit, I understand that you come to us in intercession so you can help me to intercede in your way, in God's will, that I'm accomplishing in my prayer what can be changed in this prayer. Have you ever prayed like that? Ever had the spirit of intercession come on you and you are literally groaning and agonizing, but you are praying and then all of a sudden there's this breakthrough and you feel like you're in heaven. I tell you, I want to challenge you, all of you should be experiencing that once in a while where your intercession takes you into a deeper place. Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So we're entering into his gates. Like we're getting up, we're starting, or you're starting your prayer time. You start with thanksgiving, but you're bringing yourself. I suggest before you go into prayer, you just kind of lay aside things, or even as you begin to approach your prayer time, you say, first of all, God, I want to give you these things. I feel like I have some distractions, some things that really bother me. Name them to God, submit them to God, offer them as an offering. If there are problems, castles burn. This is now your responsibility, God. Deal with it. Lead me how to answer 
my part of it. But as you begin to come entering into that place of prayer, that you bring that thanksgiving, and God is, uh, you're preparing this way. And then you're coming into those deep connections of God in those places where, where the Holy Spirit is really connecting you in the, in the presence of God with praise. And like I said earlier today, praise kind of breaks through from our heart. Praise is like that you're getting your soul aligned. But when our soul's in, in alignment with God, praise opens the door for worship from our heart. And then you feel that, that thing in your prayer or in your worship where something has shifted. I'm now in a different zone. And that's what praise do. Praise does. So that thanksgiving and praise, you're coming into God's presence. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That was an awesome song that they chose. Thank you, E. <clears throat> the beautiful name. You can use the name of Jesus. When I got married, Dory got rights to my checkbook, and she started writing checks. And there were times I had to tell her, don't write any more checks. We have to pay the rent. You can write your check through the name of Jesus. You have rights as his children to write his name to declare his name over your situation, declare his name over your finances, declare his name over your problems and situation, to declare his name over you when you're bombarded in your faith and you're discouraged, to, to claim, I'm a child of God. I, I can have a, a new spiritual experience. I can have a freshness with God through the name of Jesus. I am a son, a daughter. I'm under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This song, a beautiful name. I loved it. The heavens were roaring, and we were joining them today. There is no other name or person you can approach who loves you and gives you life. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we bless him with our praise. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Look at the apostles, the stories we read in the New Testament beaten, bloody, in prison, finally released because they're uh, in jail for no reason that they could literally hold them. And they release them. And they're walking out of jail all sore and everything, but they're rejoicing and worshiping. We have not been in that place yet. So we, our praise can come up a little quicker because we're not suffering like that. So take action. We're to abound in our faith. We, we have faith. When you accept the Christ, you have faith. It's what are you doing with it? Sometimes we feel faithless. You still have faith, but it's, you're not using it. It's like having a car full of gas, and you're walking, and you're, and you're upset about it. Use your faith. Apply your faith. Don't let your feelings determine your faith. Your faith is from your heart and your spirit. Don't come under condemnation. Faith is your confidence in God and what he did on the cross that he looks at you in righteousness. He wants relationship with you. That's why he pays for all of our sins, past, present, and future. In Colossians 2.15, Jesus, having disarmed, we're going to go, going into triumph through Jesus Christ. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Triumphing out of the strongest means to lead in a triumphal procession the way of Jesus to the cross is both strength and weakness. The triumphant procession of God is which he leads as a Roman emperor leads his prisoners. You know, when the Romans would go through conquering, they would collect all the people that they had just conquered in the, in the cities or nations, and they would be part of the caravan that was that procession. And Jesus, even on his way to the cross, 
it seemed like Satan was in victory, but that was a triumph. This is saying this, that definition of that word in that place in Colossians was a triumphant thing. They were looking like they did away with Jesus, but it was a triumphant thing because Jesus took captivity captive. He took all of us who were buried in sin and separated from God, and he gave us a born-again experience, filled us with the Holy Spirit, and now we are his um, love slaves, his love prisoners, because he set us free from everything Satan has done to destroy our life and our future. And he brings us to a place of encouragement that we might walk in faith, that we might walk as victors and claim, lay claim to the victory Jesus already purchased for us 2,000 years ago. We need to get up. We, we need to almost like be so excited on Sunday. Enoch goes, I, we can't even worship. The people are too wild. Matthew Henry wrote this, He has obtained a glorious victory for us over the powers of darkness. As the curse of the law was against us, that means everything the, the, the Ten Commandments said, so the power of Satan was against us. And he treated with God as the judge and redeemed us out of the hands of his justice by a price. But out of the hands of Satan, the executioner, he redeemed us by the power and with a high hand. He led captivity captive. The devil and all the powers of hell were conquered and disarmed by the dying Redeemer. The first promise pointed at this. The bruising of the heel of Christ in his sufferings was the breaking of the serpent's head in Genesis 3.15. The expressions are lofty and magnificent. Let us turn aside and see this great sight. The Redeemer conquered by dying. He spoiled them. He broke the devil's power and conquered and disabled him and made a show of them openly, exposing them to public shame, and made a show of them to the angels and to men. Never had, Satan, had the devil's kingdom such a mortal blow given to it as was given by the Lord Jesus, triumphing over them in it, that is the cross, and by his death. Yeah! Someone should be screaming, yes, I'm a victory, I'm in triumph, with Christ. I'm overcoming my circumstances, my obstacles. Bring on those problems because there's going to be something I'm going to overcome because God is in me. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. It is time, like Bruce Gessie encouraged us, for us to rise up to our place. But we have to rise up in faith, not go by our feelings and our circumstances because they're always going to say, you can't do it. Nothing's going to happen. No, we can make something happen because we're living in faith and we're walking with a God who moves in faith. Our enemies have already been conquered, but it's us. We have to be ready to take our territory, to take our possessions, to receive our inheritance before he kicks them out. He took Israel 40 years in the wilderness, and they didn't get it right. But it was that next generation that were filled with the hope that, you know what? We learned from what our fathers and mothers did. They didn't believe in God, but we are going to go into the promised land. The giants are bigger. Their giants are the same as they were 40 years ago. But they had to go up and face those giants, and they did, because they began to move. And when it was God's timing, they moved in faith. They said, God, we're going to believe in you, and we're going to do it your way. And they saw God push back nation after nation after nation after nation. And that's what we have to do in living an overcoming life, living a life of triumph. Triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph to Christ. You guys should probably memorize this verse. Whatever you're facing, wait a second. God has always called me and led me to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Triumph, to cause someone to completely triumph over, to cause to triumph, to rise above. 
You're going to have contradictions to triumph. Jesus had a contradiction to triumph. When he went to the cross, when they didn't believe him, when he died on that cross, there's contradictions to his triumph. But we know there was that resurrection life. What about that triumph? What about the triumph he did for us too? People are living for, for this life. God has promised us this, this life, but he said if we keep our attitudes and our heart towards him, if we live for his kingdom, he's going to take care of everything we need here. But our life is going to end. We're going to die. Jesus' triumph was that as a man he died, but the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. We have a new body coming that's not going to get sick, not going to be diseased, not going to be tormented by different things that happen. And that body's coming. And then Jesus Christ was one of, he was the first one of the resurrection of the new man that's coming. He was the, 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 the prototype of what we're going to be like, be able to walk through walls. Yeah, I would like to do that. We'd like to walk through some walls. They don't have the doors not open. The doors are locked. Walk through that wall, that supernatural body. This is the hope we have, eternal life with a loving God where there's going to be no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, no death, no discouragement, no negative news. That's the kingdom being set up for us. That's why heaven's roaring right now. There's no opposition. They don't feel what we feel down here. So us, we have to match their praise because right now we're in it. We're in the struggle and we can list in our mind everything that we're facing against. But we have to rise up in the triumph that Jesus purchased and apprehend, appropriate our victory, especially over our own person and over own feelings you know my personal triumph you know you know two years ago i had cancer i knew about it for three weeks and then it was out but i remember i told you some of you who are here i told you like about four years before i once in a while i'd get this thing like cancer and i'd rebuke the devil and everything else but it was uh, john 16 13 it says when the holy spirit comes he's going to tell you things to come so god was telling me you're going to have cancer someday okay then, right before I found out, 11 months before I found out I had cancer, I'm at an MFI conference. Bob McGregor, who came and spoke with us a few years ago, 2015, he said, you're not to worry about my health. And I thought to myself, why are you saying to me, Bob? I never worry about my health. 11 months later, when I found out I had cancer, oh, that's what he was saying. Don't worry about it. I had it. Surgeons took it out. I'm free. God talks to us. God leads us. We are to keep rising up in triumph. And we keep looking back and seeing what God's done for us. And what does it do? It's a building of our faith. It's encouraging us in this thing we have with God. He wants to know you. He wants you to experience him. Don't let your, your life experiences and your feelings and thoughts keep you from pressing in to knowing God. In fact, when things seem more worse and you feel like you're more far away from faith, press into God more. I tell you something will break. And it's usually the thoughts, the feelings, and everything. Will you stand with me? It's 1145. Thank you, Jesus.